Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. Man, speaking of words, y'all ready to hear one? I'm ready to preach one. If you got your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Oh man, I'm excited to preach this word today. Mark chapter 5 verses 21 through 43. We're going to read a little bit of the Bible today. Y'all mind that? I want you to get into this word. Who has a Bible? Hold it up. Let me see. Let me see. Come on. Put that phone down. What you going to do with that? I'm just kidding. Use your phone. Actually, if you got the Cool Church app, you can pull up the Bible on that too. You can take notes. And there's, if you want the notes for the message I'm preaching today, they're on the Cool Church app. But you can't cast out a demon with, with a phone. I'm just telling you, your battery dies, you're done. I right, get you a good old leather-bound Bible, take notes in it. Um, you should come to UBC on Wednesday. Speaking of which, we have shifted UBC from this Wednesday. Why? Because we are considering your family. We don't want you out multiple nights away from your family coming to do church stuff. So we're only focusing on the team night this week. So UBC will start back up the following Wednesday and we will start with the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Who's been coming to UBC? Make some noise out there. Yeah. So don't come this week because you'll be there by yourself, okay? But come next week, all right? Uh, Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. I'm going to read it. Some of y'all ain't read your Bible this week. I'm about to catch you up right now. Here we go. Mark 5, if you're online, online family, I love you. Here we go. Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. Read like this. I'm reading out of the NIV, but no matter what version you have, you should read all, all the same. We'll get to the heart, the meat of the text. When Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet. I love that. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hand on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors um, and had spent all she had. And instead of getting better, she only grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she fell in her body and was freed from her suffering. That's a good place to say amen. amen. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned around the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see, the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, yet you can ask, who touched me? Disciples, they always thought they knew something, they ain't know nothing. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, I love this, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. 
While Jesus was speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Wow. Why bother the teacher anymore? How many, how many of you know you never bothering Jesus? Verse 36, ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, underline this, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except for Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. Here we go again, just like last week. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. (laughs) They laughed at, could you imagine laughing at Jesus? (laughs) Oh man. After he put all them out, I love that, sound like me. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said, Talitha Kone, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And he told them, give her something to eat. And the church said, if you're taking notes on this second message in this Back to Life series, I've entitled it this. Plead, wait, stretch, faith, noise, cease, walk, eat. Bars. Album comes out next fall. (laughs) Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for this day, for this is the day that you have made. God, let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you that before the world began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every human that would be in this place today and all the ones that would be watching online. God, in every country in the world, God, I'm believing right now in the mighty name of Jesus that I will lie now. As you arise up, don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, open hearts, minds, and ears to be open and receptive to a word that will always and only be about Jesus. I pray, God, that you pierce somebody's heart. Open hearts, minds, and ears. Let them be receptive. Let them know, God, that no matter how things may seem, no matter how bad they are, even when it seems like things are dead and done, God, you're never finished. I pray right now that somebody will get hope again in this room. And I pray for the one that needs to know you more than ever. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, everybody said, take about five seconds this morning and give Jesus a shout of praise. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. Look at your other neighbor, the one you don't like because you picked them second. Say, get ready. (laughs) I love it, man. I love doing two services. This is the first of two live services today. I love it because we've been able to make more space in God's house. And the church said? So last week, we talked about the widow of Nain. And the widow of Nain was the very first person um, that, that 
caught a resurrection miracle from Jesus because her son had died. And, and it was a massive funeral procession and the professional mourners came out and the trumpet players came out and the pallbearers came out and they made a big spectacle of this young boy that had died and this widow really captured the heart of Jesus because our God cares about the widow and the orphan and he wanted to make sure that that woman was okay because when she lost her son, she had already lost her husband, but by losing her son, she lost her future. She lost her insurance policy. She she lost her livelihood. She was a widow that not only lost her husband, but lost her future because she had no one to take care of her. She was in a dire situation. And we see that this is the first resurrection miracle that we see take place in scriptures as it pertains to Jesus. And we understand that this was not just a, a, a miracle of power. This was a miracle of mercy. Jesus looks at this woman and he feels pity on her. He feels, he feels mercy for her and he brings her son back. Why? Because she was a widow and she was in mourning. And the Bible says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. So Jesus brings this woman's son back so that he can fulfill his obligation to her as a son and do what? Comfort her. Take care of her. Now this second resurrection miracle that we're talking about today and we're going to be doing this for the next few weeks going to preach another resurrection miracle on Palm Sunday so get ready uh, for it. it's going to be amazing and then of course we know the greatest resurrection miracle of all is Jesus raising from the grave amen we're going to save that for Easter Sunday but this second resurrection miracle is recorded is about Jairus's daughter and this miracle is recorded in the three synoptic gospels, synoptic means seen as same or seen as similar. And, and, and this would have been recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but not in, in, in John. So we're going to read it out of Mark today as, as we have already done. And I love Mark's gospel because the theme of Mark's gospel was that Jesus is a miracle worker and a suffering servant. A miracle worker and a suffering servant. Most of the miracles that get recorded in the scripture, we see many of them in Mark. Mark, man, is, is, is like, it's episodic. It's fast. It uses that word suddenly about 42 times in the book because it takes you from miracle to miracle to miracle to miracle. And it's amazing to see how fast Jesus moves. The Bible says that all the miracles of Jesus can't even be recorded in this book, but we get a lot of them in Mark. And I love it because once again, it doesn't just show, Mark doesn't just try to tell us that Jesus is a miracle worker. He tells us that he is a suffering servant. Why, does, why, why, does this, why, why is this theme so apparent and so prevalent in Mark? Because Christians at the time after Jesus' pass, passing were under high persecution from the Roman emperor Nero. He was killing them like crazy. He literally, he would even impale them on spikes and put them around the city and light them on fire to light the city. Christians were heavily persecuted. The stuff that we go through today on Instagram and Facebook is first world problems in comparison to what Christians of that day, oh, they talk bad about me on the gram. So get over it. A lot of people had to suffer a lot worse for us to be here, right? So this is going on. And, and the reason Mark wants to show Jesus as a suffering servant, because he wants to show us that Jesus suffered first and there is nothing that we will go through that will be worse than what Jesus ever went through. 
So he shows them as these suffering servants so that the people would be encouraged. They would know, you know what, man, I know it's rough out here. I know Nero's crazy, but man, they, they killed Jesus, man. Like they, 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 they persecuted him. So if, Je if Jesus faced persecution as a believer and as a Jesus follower, guess what? We got to face persecution too. So Mark is trying to help prepare us. And many of the stories that he gets, you have to understand, Mark was not um, one of the original disciples. If somebody asked you if Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were original disciples, two of them um, were, but the rest of them were not. So don't go around saying that because that is not true. But Mark was a disciple of Peter. So the eyewitness accounts that he's getting, really, it's Peter's account of what happened. And how do I know this is Peter's specific account? Because when Jesus goes into the room with the little girl, the Bible says that he took his inner circle, circle with him, Peter, James, and John. So Peter would have witnessed this and he would have been able to tell Mark so Mark could write this gospel, right? So I love this because the suffering servant Jesus, he shows us in order to perform the greatest miracle of all time, he even had to suffer. He suffers on the cross to perform the greatest miracle of resurrection. And today, in this second part of this Back to Life series, I want to really examine this text and the miracle of Jairus' daughter because I want to reveal to you that there is a rhythm to resurrection. There's a rhythm to resurrection. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, plead, wait. Look at the other one. Say, plead, wait. Come on, say it with your chest. Say, plead, wait. Oh, I like that. I hope you had some gum when you said that. Plead, wait. This is the first part of this rhythm to resurrection. Plead, wait. Mark chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He what? Pleaded. Oh, you're already catching it. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. I, I, I love this because this passage, it gives us a clear picture of how to pray when we're looking for a miracle. Now, you got to understand who Jairus was. Jairus wasn't like a rabbi, but he was a synagogue leader. So in other words, if we could put this into modern day terms, he would have been like a pastor. It was his job to care for the synagogue. It was his job to care for the people in the synagogue. It was his job to care for the affairs of the synagogue. So he would actually be like a pastor in today's time. So if you just need a little bit of a reference before we dig into this text, imagine it's me or Pastor Joe going to Jesus asking for something. Imagine the person that's supposed to have all the faith. They need a miracle. Let me tell you something. I don't care how many messages I preach up here. I always need a miracle. I'm human just like you. I got problems just like you. Don't ever make an idol out of a pastor because they are a person just like you. So Jairus, the pastor, he had an issue. His daughter was sick and dying, but I love Jairus because he was a man of faith. And I love because he, ex he executes for us what it looks like to practically pray 
for a miracle. Look at what it says. It says one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. First of all, it says that Jairus came. Jairus came. When you're looking for the miracle, the first thing you need to do is do whatever you got to do to get into the presence of God. Jairus didn't just sit back in his prayer closet. Jairus wasn't on the sidelines waiting for a miracle. He actively went to where he knew the miracle would be. Somebody needs to understand there's a reason you came to church today. You could have sat on your couch. You could have stayed in your house. You could have stayed in your pajamas. But you came here because you knew that this is a place where miracles happen. Sometimes it matters when you show up. Says Jairus came. Go to where miracle work and power is. It's not that you can't get a miracle at your home, but with some of the stuff that happens in your home, you need to get away from that and go where faith is. If you got misery in your home, you're going to sit there waiting for a miracle? No, get around people of faith. The Bible says Jairus came. He did whatever he said. Man, I got to get in the presence of this dude. I don't know who he is, but I'm about to get in his presence. Because wherever he is, it seems that God keeps doing stuff. Jairus knew he had to get into God's presence. But then I love this because it, Jairus didn't just come. It says when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. You can't just come. You got to fall at his feet. You got to fall at his feet. See, what does that mean? You got to humble yourself before him. Because you're looking for a miracle. But let me tell you something. Pride is the enemy of faith. Some of us don't have a miracle because we got too much pride. I got this. No, you don't. Because if you did, you wouldn't need a miracle. You don't need miracles for things you can do yourself. And some of us are still trying to do some things ourselves that God was like, why don't you just let me do that for you? Humble yourself. The Bible says, this, man, this synagogue ruler, the one that everybody went to with their issues, man, if I just go to the temple, I know Jairus is going to be able to help me. Jairus is like, man, let me put my position aside for a second. Let me put my title aside for a second. And let me just get to the feet of Jesus. Because if I could just get to the feet of Jesus, my title don't matter. My miracle matters more than my title. So he gets down to the feet of Jesus. And what's the third thing that he does? It says... He says he pleaded earnestly. Yeah, yeah. Look at your neighbor say, be earnest. be earnest. Be earnest. Like, what does that mean? Be open. Be sincere. Have conviction about what you believe in for. There's people that are praying for stuff, but like you don't even believe what you're praying for. You're praying out of practice and out of routine. You're not praying out of passion. This man, I know he had conviction because his daughter was dying. I don't even want to fathom or imagine that situation in my life. But if somebody I truly love was passing away, there would be a different fervor. There would be a different energy. There would be a different commitment. There would be a different passion that I pray with because I don't want to lose the person that I love. You got to come to Jesus. You got to push your pride aside, but you got to actually really believe in your heart what you are praying for. It's not just enough with prayer just to go through the motions. I love it because we had a prayer night on Friday led by one of our amazing leaders here, Yari. Y'all give it up for Yari one time. And I just, I watched the videos and the different posts and I was like, yo, it's, it's people in there. They were just crying out to God, man. I'm like, if you show up for prayer on a Friday night, man, you really must want Jesus to do something. 
That's a different, because they could have stayed home. They could they could have kept doing what they was doing. But it was like, man, I got, I just got to get around these people of faith. And I just got to cry out to him. Like you see some people, he's like, no, they just being emotional. No, you don't know what they're going through. Those tears in their eyes, man. Some people, when they, when they pray and they just scream, they're like, they're crazy. Why you got to pray like that? You don't have to pray like that. But passion, it shows differently in different people. Maybe you real chill when you pray. That's cool. That's you. But some people, man, they just like, I was talking to one of my homies the other day. He's like, Pastor T, how you pray? I was like, man, you laugh if you heard me pray. Because y'all hear me pray in front of y'all and I pray to, to encourage you and exhort as a spiritual leader of this house. But when I'm in my car with Jesus... God, why is like that though? I mean, I've been trying to do my thing like, 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 like for real. So we doing this today, God. Like, like, like I get like, like when you when you pray to God, don't pray the way you heard your pastor pray. Get get like like get real get get real with yourself first. Some of us, and I decree and declare and okay, if that's how you talk, okay. But most of us don't decree and declare. Most of us don't. Most of us don't even know what decree and declare means. Like, just pray. God, you, oh man, like, I'd never get the words right. I can't pray like the pet, but, but God, I mean, I just need, like, God, I'm, I just need help. Like, just, just get, get, be earnest. Plead with God. He hears someone stop pleading because we stopped believing that God was listening. Plead doesn't mean ask one time. Plead is a continual asking. It's, it's like, ah, oh God, come on, no, come on, man. No, you heard me, man. Come on, like, like, don't be lazy about your prayers. The Bible's telling you this man, this, this guy with all the faith pleaded with Jesus. But then look, look, it says, he says, Come put your hands on her so I know that she will be healed and live. What a confidence he had. Like you can't just come. You you can't just fall at the feet. You can't just be earnest. You got to actually have the confidence that Jesus is enough. He's like, Jesus, if you, I'm I'm the synagogue leader. I lay my hands on her and nothing works. But if Jesus does it. You have to have confidence in the one that you are praying to. So you can't just go through the motions. You got to have the faith before you ask to know it's already done. This is why we do this practice when we pray for something. We celebrate before we get the answer. Why? Because we got the confidence it's already done. I don't know about you. I got a million things in my life I'm believing for right now. But I'm not going to walk around with my head down. I'm not going to walk around sad. I'm excited because I know before I ever ask, my God is already working on the miracle. Just because you can't see God's hands moving doesn't mean that he's not working. He's working in your favor right now, but you got to have the kind of faith that gets excited about the ask before you ever ask it, knowing that the prayer is already done before you ever prayed it. If you believe it, say amen. I don't ask God because I think he can do it. I ask because I know. Jairus pleads his case in a manner that moves the heart of God. So God's like, all right, well, all right, come on, Jairus, let's, let's go. He does that, and then something happens. 
So you got Jesus on the side. You get excited. Oh, Jesus is coming with me. It's going to work. It's going to be good. And something happens. Look at this. Verse 25 to 26. And the woman <laughs> was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. She went to the doctors and got worse. And had spent all she had, spent all her money. Some of us know what that's like. Instead of getting better, she got worse. So Jairus is happy. Him and Jesus arm in arm. Ah, we about to go save my daughter, this woman. This woman comes out of nowhere. Right? You ever, you ever had to take a detour? Detours are interesting because, like, none of us are ever excited about a detour. When we're driving, because, you know, like, you're just trying to get somewhere. Yeah. Ah, I got to go. I got to go. Ah, what? A, a de- go around. What? Go around. I'm, I'm, I'm going to miss out. I'm going to be late. I'm going to miss something. I'm going to miss church. I don't know Pastor Terrence going to be crazy today. I'm going to miss something because of this detour. And often we get angry at the detour. I told somebody this the other day, I'm like, we got to stop getting mad at detours. You know why people get mad at detours? Because they ne- when a detour is proper, you never see the cause of the detour. So we get mad at a detour, but we've never seen the cause of the detour. Some, God has detoured some people around stuff and you have never, ever known or seen the reason that he detoured and you mad at God. You mad at God from something he was trying to save you from. You mad. You mad. God, I've been praying to get a spouse for the last 10 years and I'm still single. Because he knew the fool that you was with was a pit that you were going to fall into and never be able to get out of. But you mad at him because you're still single. You mad at God for protecting you from not so happily ever after? Because you couldn't see it? God, this deal, you know how long I've been working on this. Oh, you've been working on this deal. (laughs) Deal fell through. Man, this was going to be the one that, no, 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 no. You you was excited about chump change when God knew he was detouring you from bankruptcy. (laughs) If you'd have done it the way you wanted to do it. Stop getting mad at detours. We need detours because detours, they are helping us avoid things. So when you see, next time you see a detour sign, just be like, God, thank you. Thank you for what I can't even see is trying to kill me. Thank you. Thank you. But we mad. We mad because we lost time. How many of you know you lose more time if you fall into a pit? We mad because we lost time. Why? Because this is what all of us humans do, including myself. We believe that our situation is the most important situation at the moment. So we don't want to take the detour. God, you know what I'm doing right now? You see what I'm, you see what I'm doing right now? This is, this, is so, this is so interesting. Because this woman, I'm not going to rehash the whole thing, but she's like, she's like, She's been bleeding for 12 years straight. Menstrual bleeding for 12. Could you imagine? I don't want to imagine. 
God, some ladies in here are like, one week's enough. <laughs> 12 years, none of the fellas in here could relate. Fellas, you don't want to, right? 12 years of that? Fellas, we don't, <laughs> 12 years. It's a long time for everybody. 12 years, it's getting worse. Doctors can't help her. She spent all her money. She's poor. And that time, first of all, if you had a blood disease like that, you were an outcast. No, you were unclean. No one wanted to deal with you. You had a label on you. It was unclean. Nobody wanted to touch you. And you couldn't touch anybody because if you touched somebody, you would make them unclean. That's what this woman had to deal with. She touches the hem, not even the hem, Theologians would say it was more like a tassel that was at the end of Jesus' garment. She touches it, instantly she gets healed. Because she just believed, if I could touch, if I could just touch, I don't even need to touch him. Because I know if I touch him, I'm going to make him unclean. I'm going to just touch his garment. Like, if I could just touch the hem, if I could just touch the tassel, I will be clean. She does it instantly. She, who touched me? Who, who did that? His disciple. Jesus in the crowd like this, everybody touching you. Jesus like, shut up. That's not what I, shut up. Anybody ask you, I was talking out loud to myself. I wasn't talking to y'all. Okay, shut up. Touch me. Woman comes out, it was me. Says, daughter, daughter, you're healed. Now, you know, I could have really like preached that up and made that all dramatic, but that's not what I want you to focus on right now. What I want you to really think about for a second is that when, when, when you look at this, we still got to remember Jairus is in the picture. So there's this healing detour that happens. With this, and Jairus sitting there like, Jesus, uh, we, we still going to my house, right? We still, Jesus, we still, we still good? Like, she touched a garment, but I pleaded. I pleaded, I, I, I was at your feet. I, I, I pleaded. Sometimes when we plead, God makes us wait just to give us proper perspective. Let me give you some perspective on this situation that Jairus wasn't thinking about at the time. Here's some real interesting perspective. Jairus had a 12-year-old a daughter, so that means he had 12 years of joy with his baby girl and no issues until his world falls apart on this day. But that woman's life had been falling apart for 12 years and she was just looking for one day of joy. That's some perspective for you. When you plead, God may cause you to wait. Not because you're less important to anyone else, but it should be a reminder for all the believers and the non-believers in this room that we are not the only ones who God needs to help. There are other people in this world with problems outside of us. We, we, can, we, we cannot make ourselves the center of the world. Because your pain just happened today. Some people's pain is years old. And they just waiting for a little bit of relief from God. Have you ever had to watch a miracle while you have to wait for yours? Why would God allow that? Why would he do that? 
Look at your neighbor and say, stretch faith. Look at the other one say, stretch faith with your chest. Now, could you, be, could you imagine being Jairus? Having to watch all this go down. This woman getting healed. It's like, that's good for her, but my daughter don't even know. <laughs> right? He, he's dealing with the thought that every minute we take Jesus, my daughter is slipping away. Every second we don't get back to my house. Every second that you don't get to lay her hand, your hands on her, something. I could, I could imagine being him. Like we all applaud. Yay, the woman is your blood. She got healed. Yay. Jairus is sitting there like, Yay. Okay, that's good. That's good, Jesus. But we got somewhere we was going before this went down. Like, you, you hearing about, you know, oh man, the doctor said I had cancer, but then the next time I, I got prayed for, next time I went back, the scan showed I was cancer free. And you sitting there like, they told me I had cancer, I still got it. Or, your, your marriage, your marriage is falling apart. And then you look at the video and you see the, the, the cool marriage uh, uh, car. You like, uh, my marriage don't look like that. Or, or you hear me get up on the stage and talk about last week, I'm debt free and you there drowning in debt. That's a real thing that I'm not ignorant to and I'm not callous to, man. We, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, but sometimes, man, sometimes even a testimony can be discouraging if you're still sitting in it yourself. Just want to talk about the psyche that Jairus might have had at this moment. Because before Jesus goes to heal a daughter, I, I, I love this. Jesus makes a daughter out of an outcast. He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. That's not even a common thing that Jesus would have said to somebody when he healed them. But I think Jesus was trying to build Jairus' faith the whole time. He's like, when I, by, by me saying, daughter, your faith is healed, I think Jesus was like, I ain't forget about your daughter. I'm out here to make daughters out of outcasts. You think I forgot about your daughter? Huh. I, 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 I love this because look at what happens next. Mark 5, 35 to 36, it says, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue uh, leader. Your daughter is dead. Wow. Could you imagine how you felt at that time? They said, why even bother the teacher anymore? So you already anxious because this whole situation with this lady is taking too long. You know your daughter is dying, and then people from the house tell you your daughter is dead? What does Jairus feel like? Anybody ever felt something like that before? Man, that's tough. That's a, that's a tough pill to swallow. But look at what verse 36 says. Overhearing what they said, Jesus said, don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't, that's the word of the Lord for somebody today. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Why don't you prophesy to your neighbor, say, don't be afraid. Just believe. Look at your other neighbor, the one you actually like for real, and say, don't be afraid. Just believe. You know what waiting is supposed to do? You plead and you wait. You know why you wait? 
waiting is supposed to stretch you. But, but why? Because in order to grow your faith, God will have to stretch you to separate your faith from other things. Did you hear what Jesus said? Don't be afraid. Pause. Just believe. So he's saying, you got to believe, but I need you to separate your belief from something. From what? Fear. Don't be afraid. Pause. Just believe. God has to stretch you to, sep to create some separation between faith and other things that may be distracting from your faith. So when Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe, he's trying to let us know fear and faith don't go together. They don't go together at all. So by stretching you, God is literally, when he stretches you, he's creating separation between your fear and separation between your faith. Why? Because you can't believe and be scared. You can't. What stretching does is create distance between your faith and your fear. Like, you, you, you can't believe and try to make sense out of it all. What stretching does, it creates distance between your faith and what you think you know. You can't believe and complain. What stretching does is create distance between faith talk and sarcasm. You can't believe and be impatient. What stretching does is create distance between faith in God's timing and your timing. Jairus, I want you to catch this, he was being tested. Why? Because he, Jesus wanted to see if he had faith for just healing or faith for resurrection. He came into the situation saying, God, if you could just touch my daughter, she will be healed. The girl dies and we know it's implied that his whole countenance changes because he only had faith for a healing, which is why Jesus had to come up to him and say, hey, don't be afraid. Just believe. He forced him to wait because he wanted to stretch him to grow him from healing faith to resurrection faith. I don't know who I'm talking to today. There's some people that walked in here and maybe you have some healing faith. Oh, God's going to help me. Oh, God's going to save me. Oh, God's going to change me. No, 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 no. That's just the beginning of what God wants to do. He don't want you to just have healing faith. He wants you to have resurrection faith. You need to know that you serve the God that when things are dead, he brings them back to life if you believe it. Say amen. Say faith for a healing. That's cute. God's like, let me bring her back to life though. That's the kind of God that we serve. It takes a stretch to get from healing to resurrection. So sometimes God will make you wait because he's trying to stretch your faith. What level of faith do you have? Because the level of your faith grows when it's stretched. Look at your neighbor say, noise cease. <laughs> you wasn't supposed to get quiet when you said it. <laughs> say, noise cease. I like that. Mark 5, 38 through 40. So, don't be afraid, just believe. Try and stretch you, man. You came in with a good amount of faith, that ain't enough. I need you to have resurrection faith. Goes to the house. Takes Peter, James, and John. Come on, 
rest of y'all stay behind. Come on, let's go. Parents, come on, let's go. They get to the house. Mark 5, 38 through 40. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw all the commotion with the people crying and wailing. I told you there were professional mourners in that day. They paid people money to come in there and cut up and act the fool. Mama, no! Oh, take me instead! Oh! Verse 39. He went to them and said, why all this commotion? Why all this wailing? Child's not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put... I, I like it, say, it just says the aftermath. After he put them all out, like I, I like I like envision how he put them out. <laughs> after after he put them all out, he took child's father and mother and disciples who were with him, and where the child was. Once again, another instance of professional mourners in the room. Just like with the widow of Nain, the crown of mourners, they weren't there for that little girl. They didn't have any concern for that little girl. They were just doing what culture said to do. Right? And I know, I know they were fake. You know they're fake because you see how fast they went from mourning to laughing? Oh, this little girl! Oh, this little girl! Jesus, don't worry, she just like, ah! If you really, like, if you really mourn, how, how you just switch up that fast? That's why you got to read the Bible, man. You can see stuff in there. It's like obvious stuff, right? They went from mourning to laughing in a second. If, and, and here's what I believe. If the mourning was real, I don't think Jesus would have did it the way he did it. But because he knew it was nothing but a bunch of fake showy stuff out here, he's like, y'all get out. Y'all, 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 like, like just, 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 just get out, right? I love this. Verse, verse 40. But they laughed at him after he put them all out. He took child's father and mother and his disciples who were with him, and they went where the child was. One of my favorite TV shows, Judge Me, I don't care, it was Martin. <laughs> I love Martin, yeah, you know, yeah, I get a lot of references. <laughs> I love Martin. One of my favorite things that Martin does, if you, if you mess with Martin's piece, if you mess up the energy in the room, Martin gonna say, get to step in. I kick people out like get like Martin kicks people out when they disturb him when he don't like what's going on he kicks people out the room newsflash Martin learned that from Jesus Jesus was the original Martin he loved you but he does not tolerate your nonsense it's like, get out. I love this because Jesus kicked out the faith people and moved forward with the faith people. Say, like, let me get the fake people out the room because I need some faith people in this room. Oh, see, some of y'all see, see, some of y'all so used to hanging around fake people <laughs> that you don't even know how to act when the faith people come in. 
But I'm here to tell you, you got to get the fake people out your life so you can get some faith people in your life. The word of the Lord for somebody today is for resurrection to take place. You got to get all the haters out of the room. Get the people that are laughing at your marriage out of the room. Get the people that are laughing at your vision out of the room. Get the people that are laughing at your business out of the room. Get the people that are laughing at your faith journey out of the room. Get the people that are laughing at your calling out of the room because there's no tolerance for negativity in a miracle for resurrection to take place. You got to get the haters out the room. The noise must cease if you believe it. Say amen. Get the fake people out your life and get some faith people in your life. And finally, as the band comes back, get them keys on. Need some spirituality in this place. Getting too rowdy. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, walk, eat. Walk, eat. <sighs> Man. Mm-mm-mm. I'm so happy I get to preach this again. Praise God. Walk, eat. Mark 5, 41 through 43. He took her by the hand and said, Talitha Kum. Which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl, you dead. And you like. And you know how kids walk. Kids just be like. <laughs> she got up and started walking. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to tell anyone, but you know they did anyway. And told them, give her something to eat. Uh, I wish I had like a long, drawn-out conclusion to this, but I don't. I think it's very simple. Jesus brings her back to life. And the first thing she does is walk. And then he tells them to feed her. I just kept looking at that in the scripture. It was bugging me out. I'm like, that's such a random thing to do after a resurrection. Walk and eat. Walk and eat. I love it because as I was reading this and as I was praying on this, I believe the Holy Spirit revealed this to me, that walking represents an action of life and eating sustains the action of life. So when Jesus resurrects anybody, the proper response is to move and be fed to sustain the movement. Oh my gosh. Move where? Get up and go where? Jesus resurrected me where I go. Where I got to move? Move away from the thing that killed you the first time. Move away. Hebrews 12, one says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Where do I walk? Away from death and you walk towards Jesus. Feed on what? Eat his word to sustain the life he resurrected you to live. For Matthew 4, 4 says, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Somebody in this place needs to know today, 
if you know Jesus brought you back to life from death as a believer, get to walking. Because the only way to leave death behind is to repent. Walk in another direction. Leave them chains behind. Walk away from it. Don't get saved and do the same nonsense. Turn in the other direction and walk if you've been resurrected. Because the Bible tells me in Ephesians 5, 8, for at one time you were darkness, but now that you are light in the Lord, the Bible says, walk as children of light. Of course the first thing you're supposed to do when you're resurrected is walk because you're supposed to walk away from sin and walk towards Jesus. But the only way to have the energy to keep walking forward is to eat. Feed your spirit on the good nutrition of God's house. Eat a healthy, balanced diet of God's word because the word is life. You got to get the word so deep in you, it's not even in your stomach anymore, it's in your heart. For Psalms 119.11 says, I have hidden the word in my heart so that I do not sin against God. You see, today, Jesus wants to bring somebody back to life because he wants you to walk and eat. I don't know who needs to hear this, but today is the day to get up and walk away from the things that are killing you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there's some folks in this room and there's some folks online. You say, Pastor, I hear you. There's some things I did that I know that are killing me and I don't want them to kill me anymore. If I could be honest, I've been dead inside for a long time. The word for the, for the Lord for you today is son, daughter. Get up. But don't just get up. It's time for you to walk. Walk where? Walk away from the thing that killed you in the first place. And then do what? Eat so you can have energy to keep walking. This Christian life ain't easy, it's hard. But at one point, every person in this room that declares themselves a Christian, God brought them back to life and they had to begin to walk in his direction. And once you start walking in his direction, you gotta learn how to eat. You gotta get in that word so you can have energy to keep on walking. If you're in this room when you're online right now, you say, Pastor, I wanna, I wanna be resurrected. I wanna come back to life today. And I wanna get up and walk. I'm tired of being held down by the things that, that hold me. I'm tired of the same sin that easily entangles me. I'm tired of it. I wanna know that I know that I know that I am saved. Maybe you said it before, maybe you've never said it. Today is the day to get up, turn around, and walk away from the thing that is killing you. If you want to walk towards Jesus, if you want Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you're tired of holding hands with death, if you are tired of not living the life that Jesus Christ has called you to live, if you want to be saved and set free by the power of Jesus, all you got to do is get up and walk in his direction. On the count of three, if you want Jesus in your life, I'm not asking you if you need to be healed. I'm not asking you if you need some finances. I'm not asking you those things. I'm saying if you want to be 
done with death. You must walk towards Jesus on the count of three. If you want Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you've never said it, maybe you have said it, and you've been holding death's hand and you say, death, no more. I'm about to get up. I'm about to walk in the direction of Jesus. Here online, on the count of three, you want Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Hold it up. Hold it up. High enough and long enough for me to see it. I see you and you and you and you and you and you. Hallelujah. If your hand's up, stand up. Don't be scared. You already got your hand up. You might as well stand up. Come on. Come on. If your hand's up, stand up. Don't be scared. If your hand, I praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. You already did the hard part. Listen to what I'm going to say next. Walk away from death. Come to the altar. Walk. Walk away. Walk. Come to the altar. Come. 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 Come right now. If your hands up, if you're standing up, walk. Come here. Come here. Come. Everybody standing. Everybody standing. Everybody, come. I want to congratulate y'all because y'all are brave. It takes courage and real faith to walk away from death. If you out there and you're like, ah, I'm scared, man. I ain't as brave as those people. Look at me. I want everybody to look at your neighbor right now and say, hey, if you're scared, I'll go with you. If they say, yeah, grab my hand and walk them down here. I, I just don't, I want to make sure I'm praying for everybody that want prayer. If you're online right now and you say, hey, that's me, just, just raise your hands as a sign of surrender. I just don't want to take a chance. Here we go. Come on. Say, if you're scared, I'll go with you. No worries, because if it was one, one is enough. But we got more than one, so I know that heaven is celebrating. Come on. Walk away from death. Yeah, see? See that? See how that works? See, y'all faith encouraged other people. They coming. They coming. They coming. They coming. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Spirit of God. Come on. Hallelujah. Reach your hands towards them. The Bible says this, y'all, that are standing down front. The Bible says when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart he was raised from the dead, you're saved. There's no more death for you. There's only life in Jesus' name. Amen? So if you're down here in the front, just do this for me. It's just a sign of surrender. Just raise your hands like this. Hey, God, I'm, it's all you. It's not me. Right? If you're, if you're online watching, do the same thing. Everybody repeat this prayer, but not just with your mouth, with your heart. Say, dear Jesus, I've sinned. I'm not proud of it, but I admit it. Today, I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven to receive your forgiveness, to take the place of my sin. I ask that you would accept me and to your wonderful family. Today, I give my life completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Proud of you. Proud of you. Hang here for one second. Getting tricky on me, Stefan. <laughs> I got a gift for you. There's a Bible in here, a WWJD bracelet, and a letter from me and Pastor Joe. It's our gift to you. We want to make sure you get it. See that sign right there? It says, welcome to the family. Part of the family of heaven. No more death for you. 
life in Jesus' name. Amen? So on the count of three, y'all gonna walk that way. You'll find them out in the quad. This is not a cult. This is not an indoctrination. If you got questions about what you just did, there's people that'll answer them because I know this is scary and a huge thing, but you got to step away from fear if you want to walk in faith. And all of y'all did that today. And I'm very, very proud of you. I just want to make sure you got some people that'll help guide you in the right direction, okay? So I can't open up the ceiling to show you, but there's a party in heaven going on for each and every one of y'all right now. I can't show you. I can help you hear what it sounds like. So on the count of three, they're going to cheer for you louder than any humans ever cheered. Y'all ready? And it's for you. Let them know how much God loves them on three. One, two, three. Let them know. Y'all can walk that way. Let them know God loves them. Let them know they're blessed. Thank you so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.